from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Meet one doctor who's making some field calls as farmers spend long hours in the combine. A new effort to cut gas prices. And it's critical to our national security. Here the latest proposal from the Biden administration as farmers battle drought to bring in the harvest. I'm Michelle Rook here in South Dakota where the harvest is a tale of two crops. The latest from the Northern Plains right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. It appears drought conditions are ticking back up across the country. We will get a better picture of the drought expansion later this morning after a new drought monitor is released. But the current snapshot shows that 55% of the country is in drought. That's up almost 3% from just the start of the month. An area that's seen drought expansion, the High Plains. Zeroing in on one state in the middle of harvest, South Dakota. More than 61% of that state is in moderate drought, while almost 25% is in the severe category. There are reports of zero soil moisture down to three feet on several fields and low stock ponds. The I-80 Harvest Tour is brought to you exclusively by Case IH. Case IH equipment is designed, engineered, and built by farmers. See their stories at builtbyfarmers.com. The dry weather in South Dakota pushing harvest near record pace right now with 82% of the soybeans and 44% of the corn out of the field. However, as Ag Day's Michelle Rook reports, it's also because there's fewer bushels to handle in areas hit by drought. The theme this harvest season here in South Dakota is variability with great differences in yield and moisture from north to south. In the northeast, many farmers had excess moisture this spring and took prevent plant on some acres. The exception was Chad Schooley. We had a good start this spring. We were, we were lucky right here. We got in on time. Rains through July benefited his corn and even with the heat, yields are only down slightly from farm averages. We're probably being that 175, 180. We'd like to see closer to 200, so about 10% off. And the quality of the corn is good with test weights in the upper 50s. However, he ran out of moisture in August, which hurt his early beans. The better beans are 50 to 60, but our early beans were, you know, 20, 30, a lot of 40s. So I'm hoping to average in the 40s. A little farther south, David Iverson's soybeans are short, but yields in the 40s and 50s will exceed 2021. We had more rain this year uh, on most of our fields, so I think uh, our yields are going to be better than last year. And his corn crop is right on his APH. Our goal for corn is to have 200 bushel in our area, and I think we'll be in that, in that neighborhood. Jesse King farms near Iverson and says surprisingly, he's getting average to above average soybean yields. On the lighter ground, high 40s. Um, this field here uh, was mid 50s. We had a 60. But in the Southeast, farmers have been hit by drought conditions that are similar to 2012. We were 11 and a half inches behind normal for the growing season. That wasn't just for the whole year, but that's pretty significant because that would be um, less than half. And for Tim Ostrom, his dryland corn yields will be half of normal. It's, it's really a tough year. Just no rain hardly at all. So this field right here that we're in is going 90. His bean yields were also disappointing, running on either side of 30 bushels per acre. And all the beans are very short. I mean, the yields are not going to be very good in our part of the state. 
Overall in South Dakota, it doesn't look like the North will make up for the South. I don't see that. I think if North, if we're average or some places a little above average, um, but if uh, the South is uh, pretty much below average, I think overall we'll uh, be down some. Fortunately, though, basis levels and cash grain prices have stayed strong to offset losses. Prices right now, you know, are some of the highest prices that I've sold in my farming career so far. There's six and a half dollar corn going to town right now at 180 bushel. That, uh, that's still good money. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. Gas prices are lower right now than the records hit this past summer, but they remain elevated, and the Biden administration is taking additional steps to try and bring those prices down. AAA reporting the national average for a gallon of regular is 3.85. For diesel, it's 5.32 a gallon. That's about 50 cents off the record. Now, President Biden is announcing steps the administration hopes will help bring down costs and soften the recent production cuts announced by OPEC Plus nations. First, he plans to release another 15 million barrels of oil from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve. The White House says this would meet his promise to release a total of 180 million barrels over six months. The administration also detailing a new strategy for eventually buying oil to replenish the stockpile, saying it would aim to do so when prices are at or below the 67 to $72 per barrel range. That means oil companies can invest to ramp up production now. With confidence, they'll be able to sell their oil to us at that price in the future, $70. Refining and refilling the reserve at $70 a barrel is a good price for companies, and it's a good price for the taxpayers, and it's critical to our national security. Gas prices dropped about three cents a gallon over the last week, but AAA attributes it to low demand as a possible recession looms. Market watchers say the broader trend is that gas prices are likely to keep rising OPEC Plus is set to cut oil production starting next month. Cold start to the day again for many, but a warm-up is on the way. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire joins us with an update. And Clinton, we've got a big warm-up here to talk about. As we take a look at the map behind me, we've got a lot of warmth uh, getting ready to uh, take shape across parts of the central plains and even the northern plains as well. Check out Bismarck Billings. They could be flirting with around 80 degrees uh, later on today, and that's going to eventually take the chill out of the air that's up across the parts of the Great Lakes areas here as we go throughout the rest of this week. Precipitation as we go throughout Friday, right down into Saturday and Sunday. Not a lot to talk about as far as raindrops falling from the sky as we're going to kind of see a zonal pattern, a west to east pattern taking shape here towards the end of this week, leading with it a very quiet pattern shaping up. So heading on into our jet stream as we head on into a Thursday afternoon, we'll be watching that trough beginning to exit off the east coast. And then again, watching that zonal pattern taking shape here as we go throughout the first half of the weekend. But all eyes on that trough that'll be building on in here, that dip in the jet stream across the Pacific Northwest. That'll set the stage for a little bit more active pattern across the western half of the lower 48 and potentially a snow and rainstorm for parts of the northern plains as we head on into next week. And an update from the fields as harvest rolls on. Seth Lawrence of Brook, Indiana, taking a quick pick while hard at work on the combine. He says the beans are done and now they're making a hard push on the corn. A busy time of year for sure. I'll warn your Ag Day forecast just ahead. It's a case of too much rain impacting planting right now in Brazil. Agribusiness consultancy Ag Rule says heavy rains 
have slowed soybean planting in the country. As of last week, the world's largest producer of soybeans had planted 3.8% of the soybean crop. That compares to 4.1% the same time last year. Another group in the country, Safras, painting a slightly different picture, saying the crop is 4.5% planted. Now it's estimated farmers there will plant just under 106 million acres and will harvest around 150 million tons of soybeans this season. USDA is announcing a program to provide $1.3 billion in debt relief to about 36,000 farmers who have fallen behind on low payments or are facing foreclosure. The program is funded from the more than $3 billion set aside in the Inflation Reduction Act, the money allocated toward assisting distressed borrowers of direct or guaranteed loans administered by USDA. The agency carries loans and loan guarantees for about 115,000 farm borrowers who can't get credit elsewhere. Now, 11,000 of those have been at least 60 days behind on payments. To give those 11,000 borrowers the peace of mind that they don't have to be concerned or worried about the possibility of foreclosure. The money announced this week is the first round of payments designed to help farmers hit by pandemic-induced market disruptions or climate-driven natural disasters, including drought, to stay in business or re-enter farming. USDA says additional programs are to come. Flip Your Soil on Ag Day is brought to you by ESN Smart Nitrogen. For farmers trying to flip their soil and improve soil health, one simple thing they can do this fall is plant cereal rye as a cover crop and plant soybeans into that stand in 2023. Now, soil health experts say soybeans can be drilled or planted green into the rye in the spring. Instead of terminating it, farmers can then let the rye continue to grow. So you're getting the real benefit out of that rye to foster better health for the soybeans, to keep the soybeans happy, to get some good growth in the spring, to better manage your moisture, be able to keep those beans really happy. And you can actually get some benefit out of it because a lot of farmers worry, especially in Minnesota like we are today, that if I plant cereal rye in the fall, it's gonna be this big and what good does it get me? But the key is be patient in the spring, plant into it, especially your beans, plant green, and then terminate it later. Now Horace says the rye isn't terminated until the soybeans reach about 10 to 12 inches tall. That's when farmers spray their first pass of herbicide to kill the rye. Then roll it over and the beans will spring right back through. Livestock trades in the green while harvest adds pressure to grains. We'll dig into Wednesday's markets next. And later, farmers don't always want to hear a snap, crackle, or pop during harvest unless they're getting a visit from one Iowa chiropractor today in the country. Grains mostly lower on technical selling, harvest pressure, and recessionary demand concerns, while livestock traded higher. Michelle Rook returns with the latest on Markets Now. Wednesday's market closes higher in livestock mixed in the grains. Oliver Slope is joining us with Blue Line Futures with analysis. And Oliver, let's talk about Cattle were breaking out to some new highs here in the spot month, back months, close to contract highs. How high do you think these cattle markets are going to go? Yeah, the, the live cattle complex has gotten a, a nice boost of momentum to the upside here over the last week or so. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that get a little bit of follow through here in the near term as that seasonally bullish tendency continues to play in, into factor. Uh, April live cattle been seasonally bullish from October 5th to November 11th for 13 out of the last 15 years. And we're saying, seeing that play true again here uh, this year. And 
I, I think you're probably seeing a little bit of position squaring ahead of this this week's Catalan feed report as well. We know that the uh, commitment to traders report showed that funds are net long just about 30,000 contracts, which is really just a drop in the bucket um, for the funds. We've seen them net long upwards of 90 to 100,000 contracts. So if we can get a good fundamental catalyst to get these funds more excited about being involved in cattle futures, this market does have some potential to move to the upside. Now, the recent highs in that December contract, 152.37 is going to be the line in the sand. A breakout above there, we're at new contract highs, which really kind of puts where the next resistance level is in, in question mark, because at that point, there's no previous interaction between buyers and sellers to go off of. So again, it becomes a money flow thing with funds and pure momentum. Yeah, and we haven't even gotten to the tightest supplies yet, so more ahead there. What about uh, the grain futures? Uh, we had corn and wheat lower, soybeans higher on Wednesday, but essentially we're still in our trading ranges. What's it going to take to break us out of those? Yeah, still, still in a little bit of a range. We're definitely softening up in corn, which is a, a bit of a caution flag, but we haven't had an all-out breakdown. The 50-day moving average comes in at 668. And the lows from a couple of weeks ago are just above that near seven, uh, 670, 671. And that's kind of the must hold line in the sand. A break and close below those levels could potentially spill into some additional pressure and okay. long liquidation from the funds. And not a whole lot of support till you get down to those other major moving averages, which come in uh, uh, 655, 656. That's a 100 and 200 day. Okay, we'll keep our eyes on that. Thanks so much for joining us, Oliver Slope with Blue Line Futures. More Ag Day coming up. Just Andrew Whitmire joining us, and Andrew, we don't like to talk about this, especially in October, but boy, that looks like a lot of snow on the way. That does, and we're going to be watching that system as we head towards the start of next week. They could be measuring snow in inches, if not a few feet, across parts of the northern Intermountain West, as well as parts of the northern plains. It's something that, again, we'll keep our eyes on here as that forecast develops over the next coming days for early next week. And regardless of what snow falls early next week, it will uh, bring with it as well the potential for a lot of moisture. Here's a look at the precipitation forecast here as we go throughout the next uh, 10 days. Again, uh, we are going to be watching here the potential for some heavier pockets of rain with a few more systems ahead of that system on Monday, impacting uh, parts here of the Ohio River Valley, Tennessee River Valley. And again, we'll be watching the potential for some heavy pockets of rain mixed in with any type of snow as we head on into the start of next week across parts of the northern plains and parts of the inner mountain west as we'll eventually see a dip into the debt stream. And we'll take a look at that here as we go throughout the rest of this week, though. Again, that swirl, that trough that has been inundated parts of the Great Lakes Midwestern states, giving some of those folks, again, a first taste of a winter that's eventually going to begin to work its way out. We're going to see more of a zonal pattern, more of a west to east pattern developing here later on this week going forward into this weekend. And when that happens, it's tough to get any systems uh, moving across the country, so expect a next quiet 24 to 48 hours 
And then once we head towards the tail end of the weekend and into the start of next week, we'll be watching this dip, this uh, trough developing here, and that's going to set the stage here for a more active pattern to parts of the Pacific Northwest and again parts of the Northern Plains. Meanwhile, an upper level ridge is going to bring with it uh, some early fall weather, 70s, maybe in a few lower 80s across parts of the Midwest and parts of the Northeast here as we kick off the start of next week and going forward again into this upcoming weekend. Walking through this upcoming uh, few days here onto uh, the future radar, we're going to be watching high pressure kind of dominating much of the country here as we round out uh, the rest of this week. And then again, all eyes on a few low pressure systems and becoming more active across the Pacific Northwest. And that trend will continue here as we head on into uh, the latter half of the weekend right then into the start of next week across the country with that potential again to becoming more active across parts of the northern plains and intermountain west. And that's a look around the country. Let's take a look at a few select cities going into Alabama. Some morning frost possible. Sunny though by the afternoon getting back up into those lower 60s. Rugby, North Dakota, mostly sunny and mild. High temperature is going to flirt with around 70 degrees. And then going over into Fresno, California, mostly sunny and warm. Coming up, a reality check about where millions of cattle slaughtered for beef in Brazil actually come from. And later, don't adjust your dial. That's an infield adjustment and harvest. How this chiropractor is helping to bring in the crops in the country. Brazilian meat packers continue to get cattle from inside the country's protected areas. That's more than a decade after zero deforestation cattle agreements were signed. Now, researchers from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and a university in Amsterdam finding from 2013 to 2018, millions of cattle slaughtered for beef spent at least part of their lives grazing in protected areas of the Brazilian Amazon. That includes indigenous lands. The study finds more than 1 million cattle were sold direct from private properties inside protected areas to slaughterhouses in the country. An additional 2.2 million head were linked via indirect suppliers located in protected areas. Now the study reports 20% of production occurred in strictly protected areas and 8% on indigenous lands where commercial grazing is illegal. Want to make ranch life easier? There's a hack for that. I come up with a way to pull a post, seems to work really good. Meet Malcolm McLean of Malcolm's Ranch Hacks. In late 2019, after building several ranch hack tools, he decided to share his ideas with others online, not expecting much from the effort. However, after posting videos of his creations, including a thorough explanation and demonstration, the ranchers of Facebook found Malcolm's Ranch Hacks to be quite enjoyable and useful. Now, some of his videos have reached more than 4 million views, sparking hundreds of comments and thousands of shares across the platform. Now, if you want to check some of them out, head over to drovers.com. Hours upon hours in the combine can be a real pain in the neck, which is why this Iowa chiropractor is taking his services to the field. In the country, next. Ag Day is brought to you by Farm Shop MFG. Did you know that 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG. Specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. 
we've seen people deliver all sorts of things to the field during harvest, but this may be a first. That's chiropractor Dr. Blake Wason of Cedar Falls, Iowa. He hauls his portable adjustment table to fields to help farmers in the area find relief during busy seasons like we're in right now. With many having to sit in a combine all day, stiffness and back pain can be a serious problem. Wason says he spends about 10 minutes in the field working on each farmer, adjusting them back into alignment. Why does he do it? He says he misses his own family farm. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day.